You're listening to a Toronto Centre podcast. Welcome. The goal of TC Podcasts is to spread the knowledge and accumulated experience of global leaders, experts, and world-renowned specialists in financial supervision and regulation. In each episode, we'll delve into some of today's most pressing issues as it relates to financial supervision and regulation. The financial crisis, climate change, financial inclusion, fintech, and much more. Enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to TC Podcast on the Go. I'm Chinhui Ng, Program Director from Toronto Centre. Whether you or team members from your organisation have worked from home, the concept of remote working arrangements is not new. Technology has paved the way for many organisations and teams to operate from virtually anywhere. However, with the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, in just a matter of days, the need to skill up almost all organizations' ability to work remotely changed from being a choice to that of a need. So no more quick coffee meetings, no more stop-bys at a colleague's desk for a quick discussion, or even shouting across the office to get an immediate answer. The workplace as we knew it has changed. So this poses many questions for managers and supervisors who lead teams. Questions like, how do we make sure the work still gets done effectively? Will my team be as productive or as efficient? And the question probably less considered is, how will we stay connected as people, as a functioning team? Today, it's my pleasure to speak with Jerry Lewis, a longtime partner of Toronto Centre, who also found himself in the same situation as many other organisations who had to follow a work-from-home mandate. Jerry will share with us his views on productivity, efficiency, collaboration and building trust, all in a virtual environment. So great to have you with us, Jerry. Thank you, Chen Wei. Uh, it's great to be here, and I want to thank Toronto Centre for inviting me for this podcast. Yes, please tell us, like, what's your history of Toronto Centre? How do you relate to our listeners, many of whom are financial supervisors and regulators? I started uh, in 2000, to be exact, uh, shortly after Toronto Centre actually started their international programs uh, for banking, securities, insurance. Um, later becoming insurance and pensions. And I often say, and I remember even in my first program, uh, in all programs subsequent to that, I tell all the participants, you know, I'm not a supervisor, I'm not a regulator, but I do feel though that over 20 years with TC, I've learned a lot about supervision and regulation. So I'm, I'm, I call myself now when I do these programs, I'm sort of the armchair supervisor. I sort of know the lingo, but I really don't, I really don't know supervision or regulation. But having said that, in terms of, you know, how do I relate in terms of supervision and regulation as it relates to teams? You know, the thing that's interesting is that over the years, I've learned that when it comes to teams, specifically, uh, engagement of teams and working with people, it's pretty universal. People's reaction and behavior at work 
environment is universal for the most part, whether you're a supervisor or a regulator, whether you're in IT, whether you're in hospitality, people are people. And I think that that's where I would love to talk about how teams can be performing better, more engaged, even within a supervisory uh, uh, sector. Well, thank you, Jerry. That's really a rich and long association of Toronto Centre. And I think we should just call you our honorary regulator and supervisor. <laughs> I, I welcome that. I welcome that. All right. So let's jump straight into the topic today of managing remote teams. Yeah. So what are the three best practices, would you say, for remote teams? Well, like you said in the intro, um, remote working arrangements are not new. We've all worked at one time or another in a remote location. I think what makes it unique, if we step back, and, and because everything has happened so fast since March 11th, when the WHO uh, announced that COVID-19 was pandemic. Um, everyone at that moment in time, pretty much, had to work from home all at once. And I think that's what makes this very unique. It's not that, oh, I'm remote working, you're remote working. Everybody, pretty much, except for essential workers, are remote working. Just in the context of our case, in, in, my, in my company, uh, when they announced the pandemic on March the 11th, we literally, the next day, started working from home. So there was no time to say, okay, how do we do this? You know, how do we actually plan for this? How do how the how will this work beyond two weeks? And, and in fact, what's interesting, Chinui, is that I guess everyone at that time sort of thought it would be about two weeks for some unknown reason. I, I don't know where the two weeks came from, but everyone kind of thought it's okay. It's only going to be a couple of weeks. We'll we'll get back to normal very quickly. And the reality hit before the two weeks was up. This was going to be longer. So in terms of best practices, and this is more reflection uh, of over the past four months now, I would say the three best practices um, are the following. And I want to make a caveat. These best practices are probably, and if not the exact same best practices for a live face-to-face -face team environment. The difference is we needed to adapt these best practices in a remote environment. So when I say these, you'll say, yeah, it, it does make sense. This would work for a live environment. First best practice is efficiency and productivity. That must be in place. The second best practice is it needs to be meetings and engagements needs to be result oriented and purpose driven. The third one that's critical to the connectedness of teams, inclusiveness and accountability. So those would what those would be for me the three best practices of making teams work. And as I say them, and as you listen to them, these are the same ones that when you're in a live environment, we've all been in an office environment, it's exactly the same ones. But we needed to tweak them. Yeah, I mean, certainly everybody has been thrown in at the deep end uh, uh, with the pandemic. And, you know, we just need to uh, manage as we go. So let, let's unpack each of the best practices that you have laid out for us. Um, the first one, the, what does efficiency and productivity look like in a virtual environment? Sure. I think that, you know, you mentioned earlier on that one of the big questions all people managers, supervisors across the industry is asking, well, how do we make sure people are productive? Um, 
you know, there is still very much a stigma of remote work. There really is. It's, it's you know, we, we used to make fun. I don't know, maybe me, maybe not you. Uh, we used to make fun when someone called in and says, I'm going to work from home today. And we would all kind of roll our eyes and say, oh, yeah. The image of somebody in pajamas sitting at the desk with coffee. I, I actually, you know, my picture was not even at their desk. My picture is that they're grocery shopping or at the movie theater. That, that's in my head is potentially what's happening. So one of the things as we had to adapt, um, the shift, I think, of thinking is that we had to shift productivity from hours of sitting in front of a desk to the timely delivery of committed deliverables. I think that is the, the mind shift we all needed to go through. It's not, oh, Jerry's sitting at a desk for eight hours a day, therefore he's productive. That doesn't necessarily, and we know that definitely does not equal productivity. Um, so how do we switch that? We look at what are deliverables? What are some specific things we can look at in terms of what have you completed? What progress have you made? That is part of productivity. And it, it's shown, the research have actually shown that working from home, people are actually more productive because they have the flexibility of time to get things done. And if you think about it, if you're a supervisor or people manager and you have set a measurement of a report needed to be done, a presentation needed to be completed, a memo needed to be finalized. If those were your deliverables, and that's what I mean by deliverables. And if I checked all three of them on a particular day, I'm productive. And that's what productivity is. Not how long did you spend working on that presentation? It really doesn't matter. It was delivered. We needed to shift that mindset. And it's quite interesting that you said evidence and research has shown that people are actually more efficient working from home. So that's, that's I think, a, a wake-up call in some sense. Um, let, let's unpack the second one then. Uh, and I think this links, links very well to what you said about deliverables, focusing on deliverables, which is orientation towards results, being purpose-driven. What does that look like? Well, I, I don't know about in your situation, but I recall very distinctly within the first two weeks of us remote working, every client we dealt with wanted to meet on some type of virtual platform. It was constantly, let's go on Zoom, let's go on Microsoft Teams, let's go on WebEx, let's go on. Everyone felt the need to be able to get to some type of meeting of some sort. And so that really comes about in terms of what do we mean by results-oriented and purpose-driven. So one of the important things we did was we said, number one, was a meeting needed? Did we actually have to meet to talk about this? Because I think the, the, the feeling of, hey, I'm not, I don't see people, I, therefore I need to see them and feel connected, overtook sort of the, what I would call the common sense of getting things done. So the first question we did was, is a meeting needed? Does it have to be through Zoom, Skype, WebEx, face-to-face? -face? Can it be done through email? Can it be done through a text? In fact, can it be done even through a WhatsApp? 
The second thing we did was if it was a meeting required, one of the key things we started out with in our meetings is why are we meeting? What is it we want to get out when I click the leave meeting? It's a really important expectation to set because if we don't set that purpose, and that's why I'm calling it purpose-driven or results-driven, if we don't set that purpose, we end up very likely talking about so many things and not really getting specific things done. So it goes back to productivity. So they kind of go hand in hand. And, and we've all had meetings where one topic kind of spun off on its own little road and people started talking about something completely different and other tasks were beginning to get built on that road. We do generally speaking, whether it's face-to-face -face or now in, in virtual, uh, meetings are generally not very efficient. So how do we make it efficient? Always start with, okay, why we're meeting because these are the three things we want to discuss and what we really like to get out of this meeting, we want everyone's approval that this is the letter that's gonna go out. Then it was very purpose-driven and uh, results-oriented. Yeah, I guess uh, in the first two best practices, we talked about the work, right? Efficiency, productivity, results, being purpose-driven. Um, perhaps in the third practice, uh, that you, best practice that you laid out for us, which is uh, being inclusive and being accountable. Um, I, I take it that we're kind of shifting to the people that's in the team itself. You're absolutely right. So one is structure, right? One is really the structure of meetings. Do we need to meet? And when we meet, how do we make it efficient? Now we're, now we're in the meeting that we're supposed to, or we want to be in there. We've set the expectation. How do we make it uh, effective as a team? So inclusiveness is definitely one of them. So what, what we find is the importance of making sure that first of all, the right people are at this meeting. And I think we've all had situations where the wrong people was at the meeting and nothing gets done. So assuming that the right people are at the meeting, it's important to hear from everyone. And I, and I actually believe that these virtual meetings have actually improved inclusiveness. And I say this because we've all sat in a meeting room with eight, 10, maybe even more people. And usually, two, three, four people will dominate the majority of the discussion. And you don't really think about the other eight because either you, they're not sitting next to you or they're kind of in a corner or something else. So it's sometimes not as inclusive as it could be. When you're in a virtual meeting, because of the tiles that you see in front of you, you can actually see everyone there. So you, you'd be able to say, oh, you know what? Can we, I, we haven't, we haven't heard much from you. Like, do you have any thoughts? Are you feeling this is the right direction? And it creates that almost responsibility. I think it becomes a responsibility on the individual who sees themselves on screen as well, that they need to say something. So that I think is a virtual has actually created a great space for inclusiveness. Accountability is something different. So accountability for me is also about people, but it's also about you know, they say the death of a meeting is when three weeks later, you're meeting about the exact same thing. That is the death of a meeting because, and we've all been there. So accountability means you know exactly what everyone is responsible for and everyone takes an ownership in the part. 
And so one of the things we do a lot in all our meetings is at the end of it, we just do a quick recap and say, okay, not only next steps, but who's doing them? And when should we see something from you? Because that then puts the onus on the individual accountability and it makes things move. And I think that progress is what is the true mark of a great meeting. When, when you feel that the next meeting, you've actually moved along in whatever it is, presentation, and uh, legislation of a policy, a, um, you know, uh, or, or, or getting staff more used to risk-based supervision in the terms of the process, you get to see progress. And that truly is what makes teams function. Teams begin to die when there is no progress, when they kind of say, oh my gosh, we're talking about the same thing again, and we're still at the same spot. Progress is what meetings are meant to do. So hopefully these three best practices really get people, structure, and progress moving. Well, that's a lot of uh, food for thought. And um, just staying what you said uh, on what you said about progress. Um, well, I understand if, you know, the projects are already there, you know, of, of course you want to see progress. But how about creativity, right? New projects, new ideas. How can the team kind of generate new ideas? Uh, uh, I mean, it's easy in the office. We sit around the... Uh, meeting room, we drink our coffee or water cooler kind of ideas pop up. But can, can the team still be creative and collaborate in a virtual environment? And that's a great question. All I can share with you in terms of I'm sharing sort of my insights of, of how to create or how to generate creativity and collaboration. Um, I'll give you an example because at the moment of let's say March the 12th, when we started working remotely, we just started a project with a client. So when I say just started, it means that the, the, the we got the green light, but nothing was really decided. It was just, yes, we want X product at the end. So we were forced to kind of become, well, how do we work as a team and with the client and how do we collaborate? So I'm gonna use that as an example. And I think that sometimes when you don't have a choice, um, say good things happen, you know, like you're, you're forced to do it. Um, and so one of the things, all I will say is the more comfortable you are on the medium. So number one, it takes being comfortable with the medium um, whether it's on camera, off camera, but just to be comfortable enough to speak to the medium is, is a very important part. So I don't think you can expect creativity or collaboration with someone who is foreign to the technology, nervous of the technology, um, or just timid as a speaker. So very important that we get everyone on the same page first, you know? Um, and I think that this is where necessity comes in we were forced to become comfortable so even if you weren't comfortable you are probably comfortable now because there was no other choice so that part hopefully is off the table the part of creativity i believe is the ability to make sure um we all take a turn it goes back to inclusiveness if you think about 
what makes creativity in a live environment? You were saying earlier, we all sit around a table, we have our coffee, we joke around, we laugh at something, we, we start off maybe with a flip chart or someone gives an idea. Well, all those things can be done. So having someone start with an idea could be, hey, I have an idea. We should do something that is three phases for this project. Phase one is this, phase two is that, phase three is that. Let everyone else jump in. What do you think? And I think by really calling out, people will then begin to build. And I think that that's where creativity comes in. Creativity is not about knocking down ideas, but building. So I might take those three phases, you might say, and say, you know what? I like the three phases, but I'm seeing a fourth phase, which captures like a recap of something. So what happens is after a while, you actually forget this medium. You suddenly realize there's a conversation going. And I know this is fact. Number one, because I've seen it done. And number two, we also work with a lot of clients uh, on camera. And if you imagine that, so doing a video, for example, and you can imagine most clients are nervous. One thing I say to them is you will be nervous. These are the things to kind of breathe, all that sort of stuff. But I say, I promise you something. I promise you that within three minutes of you talking regularly, you will actually forget that there's a camera there. And they all laugh at me. They all say, oh, no, 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 I, I can see the camera staring at me. I don't think I will forget, right? The reality is they do forget. It's sort of like when you and I are talking right now, we are in a conversation. If we can get everyone to talk, the creative creativity begins from there. The other, the final thing I will say about creativity is that we taught, I, I mentioned earlier about a flip chart. These, the, the technology today, there are so many tools that we can use. So sharing a screen is a beautiful idea, whether it's a PowerPoint, a letter, a memo, you can share it. People can look at it. If you're more comfortable even with annotating, that's even better because then people can do circles, they can underline, there's whiteboards. So all I'm saying is do not let the medium intimidate you in terms of creativity. If you remove the medium and say, oh my God, we can't be creative through a laptop, remove that. Start the conversation, have the conversation, encourage input, share visuals. You'll be surprised how much people are willing to input ideas and that's where creativity is built well jerry it seems that it all comes down to connection connection you know, among people facilitated by technology and it's great that if they use the best parts of technology and just forget about the fact that uh, people are appearing as images but you know that reach through the screen so to speak and uh, connect with the person that's on the other side of the world for, for uh, or, or you know across many seas and many time zones. But uh, I just want to come back to this uh, uh, this uh, idea of connection and trust among many players uh, between the manager and the team, uh, among teammates. And interestingly, maybe for new hires that come on board during this period where they have never had like a physical face-to-face -face meeting except perhaps for the interview. 
So how, how do you build trust and how do you sustain trust in such an environment among the team? Building trust is something that is probably one of the most talked about or challenged topics people have because it, I think people look for, I don't know, it's sort of like, I think people look for, these are the three things you need to do to, to build trust. You know, if you, if you put an ounce of this and a dash of that, you've built trust. And, and, I, and I think notionally, we know that's not the case, but we, see, we'll, we keep asking that question about how do we build trust. And I, and I always go back to, well, trust needs to be earned. You can't build it unless you earn it. So I, I always use the quote, trust earns trust and trust builds trust. So if you earn it, it's built. If you don't earn it, no matter what you do, I could, I could, I could uh, buy you gifts. I could, I could incentivize you with vacation, whatever. That does not buy that type of trust. You have to earn it. And I think as a people manager, one of the most important things I always share with anyone who manages people is to know this, that nobody, no, no worker, no team member of yours ever wake up in the morning and say to themselves, today, I'm going to do a bad job. I'm going to be lazy today. Nobody wakes up with that thought in mind. So you have to believe that whoever you're working with, your colleagues, they are going to be putting their best forward. You have to believe that, even though you might, you, there's noise in your head saying that's otherwise, but you have to believe that because as a manager, if you don't believe that, then you are creating this sort of preconception of who that person is across from you. So first thing is believe that this person is interested in doing great work. You have to believe it. In terms of earning trust, I, I you know, and this is both not just for people managers or leaders. This is also for team members as well, because trust goes both ways. You know, you you can't expect uh, to have that sort of respect from your manager if you don't have that respect for your manager. So it's a two-way trust very much is a two-way street when I say earning. So three things I think about when I talk about earning trust that maybe I can share with you. On specifically with the virtual medium as we're building teams. Number one, be at your best. Okay. And when I say be at your best, when I'm on this call with you, we have an hour meeting, bring it on. You know, everyone has bad days. Everyone has moods. Put it aside. We have an hour, bring your best forward. I think that's number one in earning. Number two, stick to commitments. And I say this more for people, leaders, or supervisors, in that because we're in a virtual environment, it's very easy for me, Chen Wei, to say, hey, you know what, Chen Wei, we have a touch base today, but, you know, it's um, lots going on. So why don't we just move that forward? You know, we already do that in a live environment. It's even easier in a virtual. It's an email away. I don't have to actually say it to your face. In a live environment, I actually have to come to your office and say to you, you know what, let's not meet today. I still have to make that effort here in virtual, a quick text. It's done. Your, our meeting's finished. Keep your commitment because your actions are much louder than your words by someone canceling on me every time or postponing every time. It really says something about my value. 
So that's part of building trust. The third thing is, especially in a virtual environment, which is very key, you know, we, we are living not just in a different world. There's a lot of things happening around us where there's a lot of different types of stresses going on. There is mental wellness issues going on. When it comes to a work environment, mistakes will happen. It's how we handle those mistakes that also either earns or depletes trust. So I'm not saying as to the supervisors, people, managers who are listening to say, hey, you know, forgive all the mistakes. Don't don't worry about it. No, absolutely not. I'm not. Absolutely not. Mistakes happen. You can be disappointed. Absolutely be disappointed. Let people know you're disappointed. But be very specific about why you're disappointed. You know, the report, you know, we really need to get this report out today. I really don't understand why it's not ready because it had it to go out and I don't want to wait till Monday for it to go out. So can we talk about why that happened and let's fix it? Versus, I don't know what you were doing all day today, Chinwi. You know, I, we've been talking about this and, and I, I have no idea why is it late? So it, it we take it away from personal to what was the barrier. So I think that how we manage our own internal and external voice when we're on a virtual medium as a leader is a really important part of earning trust. So be at your best, stick to your commitments, and when there are mistakes, be constructive, not destructive. These are great principles, uh, not only for managing remote teams, but just for managing teams in general. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Well, you know, one day, uh, Jerry, we're going to look back at this period, the year 2020, as a game changer in so many ways. So what do you think, you know, when we look back one day, what would we have learned from this this year or, or just, you know, this remote team experience that we can take into whatever the new normal uh, is that we are transiting to? Well, other than wash your hands all the time, you mean? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, gosh, I, I, uh, it's funny because, uh, because the access of virtual um, is, is much easier now and people are, in fact, uh, much more comfortable with it. Uh, a, a question I often ask people is similar to what you ask me, but I often ask people, even socially, like not even work related, socially, I say to them, you know, when it goes back to normal, what behaviors will you keep that you, you found in virtual that you're going to keep even when virtual that is no, no longer required? And it's amazing. People really like that question because it's making them think, what will I keep? Because we all say, oh, we wanna get back to normal. We wanna get back to normal. But when you talk to people, they don't really wanna go back to that normal. So, so it's, inter- it's a very interesting discussion. I, we can probably have another hour's conversation on just that. But let's talk about you know, what, uh, in terms of what I take from virtual. Number one, uh, I've always believed this, but I think it's just confirmed it for me. You do not need to be in the office to be productive. You, remote working works. I think the balance though, is that um, you do need some face-to-face time. 
So I think what it will come out for me is that remote working is great, but let's structure some very scheduled face-to-face -face because there is definitely, definitely something about looking into someone's eyeball, seeing their body language that really helps you connect even better. So that's number one. Uh, number two is being more disciplined in the way I look at productivity. We talked about deliverables, measurables. That is sort of my mantra right now. It's it's not, I, I really right now do not think about what that individual is doing. I don't think about that. I don't think whether they're having lunch. I don't think whether they're walking their dog. It's, it's completely out of my mind. The only thing I think about is that at three o'clock, if that was a commitment to bring something, to email me something at three o'clock, three o'clock is what I'm waiting for. So that is a sort of that's cemented sort of in my in my mind right now. Um, the the other thing I think about too um, is sort of how we conduct meetings going forward. I think what I will take from the virtual world and back into the face to face world, and I'll say I'll say, I'll share something with you. So we used to have a meeting at the end of the week for about two hours, sometimes it's three, to kind of recap the week and what's going on in the next few weeks. So we took that method or process when we went virtual. Well, you can imagine sitting in front of a laptop for two, three hours, you're just like, it, it's, it's, you're like, you know, putty by the end of it. So we, one of the team members suggested, you know what, why don't we break up the meeting? Why don't we break up the meeting? And part of it is on Wednesday to talk about what we're working on and then we can use the friday meeting to talk about what we are looking towards working on it for the future week so we broke it into two and we've been doing that now for a little while and i actually like it a lot because it, it again makes it even more efficient because when you know you have three hours to talk you can fill it up with whatever you want but when you only know you have an hour or an hour 15 minutes you make it work so I think those are the things I would take. I, I, I think there's more, Chenwe. I think there's there's so much more that I would take from what we learn virtually. Um, I, I think universally, what this pandemic has done for all organizations and all teams, it's just forced us to do two things: reflect, just really think about what you're doing and how you do it, and number two because of the fact that you had to slow down, I think this whole pandemic created a, everyone just was on pause. This slowdown has really forced you to re-examine certain things and how it works. And I think that is for me an ongoing thing that I regularly think about. How do I make the most of this horrible tragedy that's happening globally, but what can I use from it to come out of it a better version, a better version of business, a better version of supervisory agency, a better version as a people manager. What's version 2.0? And if we walk out of here without that version 2.0, I really think that is that is the bigger tragedy. Uh, it's certainly a time to reflect, yeah? And uh, well, Jerry probably can go on for another hour. But, uh, I could. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, so far, but I just want to, you know, perhaps uh, just pick your brains on uh, another topic, which we should, probably should have another podcast for. Uh, we've been talking so far on for internal stakeholders and uh, staff, you know, when we talk about teams. Uh, maybe just to turn 
a slightly different angle uh, as a prelude perhaps to the next podcast. How about external stakeholders, right? How, how do we manage external stakeholders in a virtual setting? Uh, you're pitching to them, you know, they're on a screen, uh, they are nervous, like you say. Uh, what would be your top tips for that? Well, you know, working with supervisors and regulators with Toronto Centre, we know that action planning is a very big part of uh, their, their pro- your programs. And in action planning, we talk a lot about stakeholders. So, you know, upward stakeholders, outward stakeholders, inward stakeholders. And you're absolutely right. This For the, for the last half hour, we've been talking about inward, which is our, our teams, our staff. Um, you know, when we look at external, it could be your... It could be your minister, it could be the media, it could be it could be anyone outside of your immediate unit or agency. So your question was, well, how do we make virtual work for them? Because it's the same world. Well, I, I think that the three best practices that we talked about still obviously applies, right? So let's talk about efficiency, use of meetings. Everyone who's an external stakeholder is for the most part, starving for time. There's, there's always, that's always their lack of resource is time. So when you're calling for a meeting with them, number one, remember the same question, does it need to be a meeting? Can it be a call? Can it be an email? Can it be a text? That's number one. Number two, make that meeting very purpose driven. When you have them on the line and most leaders in in any organization outside of your agency probably has a limited time. So in 10 minutes, in 15 minutes, what do we want to achieve? Um, And third is accountability, which was we talked about as a best practice as well. And this does apply to external stakeholders because they too need to be accountable. You, You do need to know that if you're doing X and they need to do Y, when is that going to be done by? How will that work? So the three best practices still very much applies for external. The one thing I would say to keep in mind, you know, and, and I don't know necessarily who all the external stakeholders are. There are many. But if you're working with, you know, as, as supervisors and regulators, if you're working with, you know, external such as, you know, different ministries, different agencies, um, media, I always say, and I look at this for myself as well, I always say that my job, no matter who I'm facing externally, my job is to ensure that the person across from me, whether it's virtual or live, has confidence in what I'm doing. It's very important that they have assurance that I know what I'm doing and I will help them do what they need to do, whatever that is. So I think a really important thing to remember because it's virtual that if you don't convey that confidence that assurance whether in your ver- uh, verbal or in your in your nonverbal you could be sending a message to someone that hey they don't they don't look very sure they look confused the minute that happens it begins to break down sort of that sort of connection So I think it's really important beyond the three best practices to, I said earlier, be at your best game. When you're with your stakeholder, be on your best game because that instills confidence and confidence really makes things a lot easier to get done. 
Well, Jerry, thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. And I think for our listeners, uh, uh, financial supervisors and regulators out there, you might be managing your teams remotely, your on-site and off-site review teams. Uh, you might be engaging stakeholders uh, you know, like uh, the financial institutions that you supervise or the public or the media. I think uh, we have... Uh, great uh, best practices for us to think about uh, from Jerry. So I'm here today with Jerry Lewis, and you have been listening to a Toronto Centre podcast on the go. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us.